it's great if you know it. Awesome. I'm not judged on that. I'm judged on how my guys perform ultimately during the year on Saturdays. But you're judged on how your guys play. If you do it right, you get them to use the meeting time to the best of your ability. And then you have to be able to have the lab where it's interactive, I think. Otherwise, it's just me spitting out information and then they go on the field. And I don't think that's how kids learn. I'm excited to be joined today by the offensive line coach at Marshall, Coach Ed Morrissey. Coach, it's great to have you here, and uh, I'm glad you reached out to be on the show. It's certainly an honor for us. Yes, sir. Great to be a part of it. Thanks for having me, my man. Appreciate you. Coach, you certainly have a pretty colored background here in a lot of places, a lot of experiences. I want to go back to the beginning, though. What is it for you? What's your why that really drove you into coaching? Oh, man, we got to go way back. I'm like a dinosaur. <laughs> back in the day, I went to Plymouth State College in New Hampshire. I had a you know fifth year where I was doing my student teaching, and I said, you know, I just, I'm going to be around. So I always thought I'd be a high school coach, always thought I'd be a high school coach, do three sports, run the weight room. That was my goal. Always wanted to do it. And then my, uh, my last year, like I said, my fifth year when I was student teaching, they hired a new head coach, uh, Don Brown. He came in and I had reached out. I said, I'm going to do my student teaching. And if you, you need anybody as a student assistant, I'd love to be around. And he did. Um, I was a quarterback at Plymouth. I was a terrible quarterback. I moved to tight end so I could get on the field a little bit. Below average tight end. And coach says, yeah, you can, come, you can, you can, work, with, uh, you can work with us as a student assistant. I said, great. He said, yeah, you'll work with me and the DBs. So I was like, man, I don't even know what the DBs do. So I went from always wanting to be a high school uh, coach to make a difference with kids and kind of be a mentor and do all those things to having a great experience with Coach Brown. And really that just kind of set the ball moving for me. And I actually spent five years with the DBs, you know, from grad school to, you know, the, the part-time positions, which are restricted earnings back in the day. And I did that for, you know, five years and, kind of bounced around a little bit, but stayed in the college game. So I've been in the college game 25 plus years and, you know, I've coached DBs, I've coached wideouts, I've coached running backs, I've coached tight ends. And I've been fortunate enough to coach the O-line, which to me is just turned into a, a passion. I love the group that I coach. Just really just been awesome. But like I was saying to you, I went from high school to the college game and I've seen it change. No doubt about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're still around kids, influencing kids and mentoring kids. And, and that, to me, is why I got into it uh, in the first place. Looking at learning the game and, and going back to those early days, and you and I were talking a little bit before we got going here. Obviously, today, all kinds of things available for coaches, and they're teaching not only with maybe their own film. Some of them aren't even teaching with their film, right? But you have all kinds of opportunity to learn the game today. and. As you look back on that time for you, uh, especially from some of your mentors, what were the important lessons you learned along the way that really are part of who you are still as a coach today? I think that's a great question. I think accountability is huge. I mean, I've been around and associated with some really good guys in the game, but being accountable, um, you know, some of the best advice I ever got was from a former player when I was a graduate assistant at University of Oregon. Max Unger, you know, just we came in one day and we were talking and 
basically just brought up honesty and being honest and having a direct conversation. And that stuck with me. And that was back in 2007, 2008. And it really just stuck with me on being honest. Now, sometimes I'm a little bit over the top honest. I'm not afraid to have a difficult conversation. I kind of changed my tone with it, especially with the, you know, the world we're living in and, and just kids in general, but it's still the same message. And I think if you're direct and you're honest, the kids want, want that from you. And to me, that's, that's everything. And you got to hold kids accountable at the same time, holding yourself accountable. So I would say accountability and really just being yourself. There are so many different ways to coach, so many ways to teach, which is the same teaching is coaching, coaching is teaching. And I've been a teacher slash educator for 25 plus years, and I've been around some great people and I've seen different ways to do it. But some of the things that constantly come back is being accountable. And that just means showing up, doing the job, showing up on time, doing what's asked you and doing it in, to the best of your ability. And that's being accountable. I, to me, I think that's, that's everything. I'm accountable to the head coach. I'm accountable to my group. I'm accountable to myself. So that would probably be the, the biggest thing that I've taken from all the good ones I've been around. So that, that's really been a big part of my life and my career is being, you know, accountability. When you look at the game today and how people are learning, I was just having a conversation with uh, Dan Carroll. He's a defensive coordinator for USFL Michigan Panthers. And, we were talking about just how the game, you know, was learned before and he was relating some of the some of the coaches, you know, experienced coaches he's worked with in the past and brought up Bob Davy as an example and and how you know the coaches from that era were so detailed on the fundamentals. And, you know, today when you talk to them, maybe they don't know all the schemes and, and certainly the game has become more complex in all the different things that we're doing now. But, you know, he'd say, you know, geez, I, felt, I would feel like in starting to talk to him that I knew more of the game than them. And then as they got going and they're, they're bringing in the fundamentals and how things are actually coached, I, I realized, like, maybe it's me who doesn't know so much. I, I thought that was so important. And, you know, we have certainly – I mean, I've, I've met some guys who are uh, whiteboard warriors and really know the game from the scheme side up and down. But, uh, you know, as, as uh, Bob Wiley said on, on his podcast several times, it's like you got to get it from the chalkboard to the grass. So, you know, looking at that and learning that part of the game, yes. you know, one, how did you learn it? And two, what's your advice for coaches right now to, to be able to learn the game that you can know the X's and O's, but really it's what's showing up under the lights? That's a great question. I think what you have to be able to do is communicate effectively. So you brought up a couple different points. There's a bunch of different ways to learn the game, and guys learn differently. Some guys are going to learn by you putting it in a playbook, you putting it in some notes, and can learn that way. Some guys can learn it just by watching it on the video. But I think ultimately the guys, whether you learn it on the board or you learn it through the video, you then have to go through and you already hit on it with the individual and the fundamentals, right? So how do you do that? you got to feel it. So what does that mean? All right, let's say we're working just nothing really crazy, but um, a typical combo, let's say a backside combo. Okay, how are you doing this? All right, here are my steps. Great. Maybe those steps aren't great for one guy, but they're great for the other. So have a couple different ways to do it, but get them in so they can fit in. They can feel it. It doesn't even have to be on the field. It can be right in your meeting room. To me, 
the meeting room is, okay, here's the playbook page. Here's, you know, the diagram. All right. Um, I do some stuff on the board, to be honest. But now with technology, you know, I'm sitting here right now and I have a play pulled up in front of me and I'm using my, uh, my mouse as a telestrator. To me, it's so much faster. Like if I'm on the board, I got to draw up the formation. I got to drop the defense and then I drop the blocking scheme. Good. I erase it. Now I got to put it back up. Or you have that, you know, picture on the board. To me, I'm just so much faster with the, the telestrator. So let's go through the playbook page. Let's watch it on the video. Great. Everybody got it. Awesome. All right. Now let's turn the, the old line room into a lab. What's that mean? All right. So you've seen it. We've talked about it. Now let's get up so we can go through. And I just want you to fit in. I show you how to do it and then different ways to do it. Meaning one guy may get into a double team a certain way. Another guy may get into it a different way. Another guy may have an idea. And I, it, at, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter as long as the block or the technique is executed. But it's like you already hit on so many guys are great on the board. I've sat with some guys that are great on the board. And then I watched their practice. And I'm like, wow, well, that practice was terrible. There was no fundamentals. I don't think they're a great teacher. And you may know everything. But how do you get that across to your guys? How do you get them to perform at a high level? And it all comes back to being confident. They may know it mentally. Now they got to know it physically. And things change. So I just gave you the example of a double team. All right, that's double team against a stationary guy. Now let's say when he moves or he goes that way or he's not there and another guy's that you know what I mean? So you got to have that, like, it's got to be fast. It's got to be ingrained. It's got to be second nature. In order to do that, you have to be able to see it. And then you have to be able to not just walk through it. You've got to feel it. Every technique, whether it's a backside combo, whatever that is, that was just one example. It can be a pole. It can be a base block. It can be a pass set. All those things are great. You got to feel it, in my opinion. Yeah, that's an important point there, and and that's that's also difficult, right? Uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had I had a friend who, uh, incredibly smart in the game, uh, in learning the game, but never had coached before, and really couldn't understand teaching how to get the feel. I'd, I'd always tell him like, you know, you got to quit thinking with your your lawyer brain and think with a, a phys ed teacher be a gym teacher right so uh that feel part right and being able to be descriptive in those ways and getting guys to feel it's important what what kinds of things do you do in that regard to help your players get that feel oh it's just repetition and it's doing it so for example let's say on that double team i'm the inside guy how am i fitting in all right am i going to use a, a front flipper a side flipper a hand a long arm what am i doing all right let's try them you go ahead and fit in. How would you fit in? And then I have them do it. All right, listen, well, this doesn't look good. Why? And then we kind of go through, but you're fitting it in so you can have those conversations in your meeting and you're really breaking it down. So you've shown the why you're, why you need this combo. This is just an example talking about the combo piece, but um, you've shown why you need to do it or here's why we're doing it. And then this is how we're going to get to it. And then this is really what it should look like. But before it looks like that, you've got to feel it. So I think it's just repetition. And we'll get up in the room all the time. So, for example, I'll go another direction. We're putting in a protection, six-man protection. I'm talking to a, um, a tackle on a set. All right, here's a wide five. Here's a tight five. And here's our sets. Here's a different way to do it. All right, get up and go stand up in the room. 
uh, just give me another guy up, be a five technique. And it's our room's a little bit tighter. So I may just have the guy still sitting in his chair and the tackle just made one guy a tight five, moved a little bit, made the next guy a wide five, however you want to do it. And he's just walking through the set. So he gets an idea where he's supposed to be visually. And then he can feel it. Okay, now the guy's on you. Here's the punch we're going to use. Is it a one hand? Is it two hand? How are we working this? What do you think would work? And they just get confident doing that. So I think before you go on the field and you start, all right, we got to do this. We got to do that. Blah, 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 blah. Running around fast, fast, fast. You've got to break it down in the meeting so they get some confidence. Then go on the field and you try it. And then when it doesn't look great initially, you bring it in and you're back to the film. And then you, to me, I stop all the time in the meeting and get a guy up and, and demo, you know, just call a different guy out all the time. So they're getting used to being up in front of the room. They're getting used to talking about a technique, why we use the technique, when do we use the technique, fundamentally what's important about this, and then walk me through it. And they take me through it, and then I put a, all right, what if you had this this guy here? What if you had that guy there? No, nah, I don't like that. You do this, do it again. And just kind of going through, and it, it makes the meeting flow as well, and it's not just me up there, you know, just – spitting out info, blah, 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 blah. And they hear some of it, not all of it. And then you go out in the field and they can't process it. So sometimes you can just overload kids with info. And I think the more you can make it into a, um, an interactive meeting is important to me. And I think that's my classroom. That's my lab. And then when you get out on the field, you know, that's where you're trying to perform, you know, that's your stage. But before you get on the stage, you've got to have many, many dress rehearsals. And I think that's when you've got to use your meeting room where it's comfortable. Meeting room's got to be comfortable. It's got to be like those guys live in there. But it takes a while to get that, you know, where those guys are comfortable. But to me, like I just said to you, the meeting room is the classroom slash lab. That's where it all happens. And ultimately, you want to be, you want to perform at a high level on the stage, which is the game field. I couldn't agree with you more, and I love that idea of looking at the the classroom as a lab. And you know, I, I, it got me thinking of a a clinic I gave uh, years ago, and part of it was just how to use some technology and coaching. And and I gave some you know visions I had of of how you would set up rooms and stuff. And one of the things was you know setting up the room actually with space to be able to do those things. I mean, you don't need a ton of space for any position, right? To be able to get a receiver, as an example, to, to, to stick his foot in the ground and feel exactly what that's going to be, you know, the angle of what your foot is going to be on when you make that cut or whatever it might be, right? And working those into, like you said, making it interactive, I think is, is really maximizing the use of time and getting those guys, you know, as we started this, you know, how do you get them to feel it? Right. So, I mean, it's cool. You go into these new facilities and every meeting room looks like a a theater. I mean, they look great, Mm -hmm. but then when you start to think about the ability to do those things, well, shoot, some, some of those rooms don't even have space that you get up and do that. Right. That I think that's a, a great way of looking at it as this is my lab and setting it up right to be able to do those things. It's funny you bring that up because there's always a spot to do it. So what does that mean? All right, my meeting room, I have a really nice meeting room, but I don't have a lot of space up front, but I have enough. If I wanted to do something with the whole group, I say, hey, we're just going on a field trip. We walk right out the door. The field's right there. And I walk out to the field and we go on a little field trip and then we go back in. Or you could always go in the locker room. There's always a space. It may not be ideal, but it's enough 
where the kid and you're getting them out of their chairs, taking a quick little break, getting them dialed in again. So they're focusing. I just find that it's great if you know it. Awesome. I'm not judged on that, though. I'm judged on how my guys perform ultimately during the year on Saturdays. And at the end of the year, you have a conversation with the head coach. Coach Huff brings you in and tells you, blah, blah, blah. Here's what you do. Strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. And you have those conversations. But you're judged on how your guys play. And if you, if you do it right, you, you get them to you use the meeting time to the best of your ability. And then you have to be able to have the lab where it's interactive, I think. Otherwise, it's just a, me spitting out information and then they go on the field. And I don't think that's how kids learn at any level. You mentioned a little bit being evaluated as the coach. Let's talk a little bit about how you evaluate your players. So you are doing that work with them. You're teaching them. You're getting them to feel it, et cetera. And ultimately, you know, as you said, you're going to put them on the stage, right? And that's where you're going to evaluate how does this all work out and where do we need to go from here. So what's your, your methods for doing that? How do you like to evaluate them, whether that's practice or the game and maybe the differences between the two for you? I think when you're looking at practice, we go through and we watch everything together. So we watch practice and we watch the game together. And then I can come in and I can kind of, you know, go through and watch, you know, with uh, through a different lens. When you're watching it initially as a staff, I'll draw it down a couple notes. But then I go back and I'm like, all right, let's look at this. You know, where are we good? Where are we bad? I think ultimately when you're evaluating a player, um, you know, from a skill set, I want to have a guy with some twitch. You know, got to be athletic. You got to be able to move all that stuff, right? So when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, you know, how are you moving? Are you in the blocks quick? Are you fluid? Are you twitched up? Do you have some quickness? I'm evaluating that. How fast are you getting on your blocks? I don't mean evaluating a high school kid. I'm just talking about my own guys. Getting on blocks, whether it's first level, second level, out in space, how fast are you moving? So twitch, that's quickness. Just how are you moving? How's your body move? And then secondly, mentality. Are you getting on your block? Are you finishing your block? I get it. We don't have pads on, just a helmet. All right, are you on the block? Are you sustaining the block? Are you finishing? Are you running your feet? Which comes down to two things for me, twitch slash mentality. And I do the same when I do evaluate kids too, which we can get to, but twitch can be quickness. It's really how you move your body. Is it moving quickly? And mentality trumps everything. How do you finish uh, do you play with great mentality, pad level, leverage, strain, finish, all those things that coaches use? I just try to say in the room, hey, we got to move with a little bit more twitch and you got to finish better. Our mentality's got to improve. So those two things for me are at the forefront. Well, let's, let's go ahead and, and talk about that evaluation then, right? As you're looking at those guys who you're going to bring in, yeah. what's the evaluation you use there? Well, let's say now I'm looking at a, a high school prospect, right, or a transfer, whatever. I'm just looking at a prospect. What do you look for? And I think it can be great, you know, I want this, you know, this guy to be such and sh such height, weight, all this stuff. And you have to go through, and maybe you have some of your measurables. That's fine. Well, the head coach usually sets, you know, this is what I'm looking for, and then you – you know, meet with the recruiting staff or if you're at a smaller level and you don't have it, you just got to come up with your own plan. So what's your plan? All right. So when I'm evaluating guys, I'm going to throw your film on. And I want to, again, it goes back to like we were just talking about, how do you move? Can you get into your stance, right? 
Can you bend a little bit? How do you move? Body movement. So are you flexible? Can you bend? Can you get down? All right. Now getting out of your stance, how do you get out of it? Do you stand straight up? Are you a knee bender? Are you a waist bender? Are you all hunched over? Okay. Now some of that is you just may not be strong enough. So you can't just execute on that. Um, he may just be weak in his core. Well, a lot of people can strengthen their core. So you can't just throw a kid out off of that. In my opinion, you can do whatever you want, but I would look at it and be like, all right, he may be a little bit stiff, but he does have a little bit of quickness. He just may not be strong in the core. Let's keep watching. All right. Right off the bat, I look at the mentality. All right. He doesn't finish. He doesn't strain. Um, it's not a kid for me. I just, I'm not going to be able to coach this kid. I don't like his finish. All right. Now with that said, Sometimes you, this is just film review. Sometimes you're going to come across a kid that you have at camp and he may move really, really well. Okay, great. Now we got to figure out if he has that mentality. So you put him through your, your drill progression in camp, you know, the, 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 the lot of drills that you have. And then there's ways to find out, is he tough? Will he finish? How does he respond to you coaching him? Make him do the drill again, all that stuff. And then you can kind of get a feel for it. But, I think if you really want to see him finish, you got to watch the film. And if you can see the kid play live, that's the best piece. You can really see him finish. You can see him in the individual before he starts in the game. You can see him around his teammates. And then you can see him compete during the game, not just the good plays, all plays. But if you were to pin it down and say, what do you look for? I look for athleticism, which goes back to twitch, which I talked to you about, and mentality. I think mentality trumps everything. Now, does that mean that you can take a bunch of guys that can't move, but they're tough? No, because in today's game, you're going to get beat because the defenses are so athletic. And if my guys were really, really athletic, they'd probably be on the D-line. And everybody knows the last stop on a bus stop is the O-line. It's the last stop. Everybody knows that. It's a great stop, but it's the last stop. So when you're at that stop, you still want to be athletic. Now, I will sacrifice a little bit of athleticism and quickness and flexibility and all that if the kid just has tremendous mentality, loves the game, is tough. And those things are hard to find out too now. You got to do your homework, you got to ask the right questions, and you got to constantly have conversations with these kids. You know, tell me about your favorite run play, talk to me about a favorite protection. You know, you find out when you're having a conversation, which, you know, you can find out what makes the kid tick, but. To me, those are the two most important, getting to know the kid. But initially, if you don't even know him and you're looking at the film, you know, how tall, what's he weigh, let's watch the film. And then I have my things that I look for, like I was just talking about. Athleticism, you know, is he able to, you know, get on blocks, stay on blocks? How does this kid finish? I think that's so important when you're evaluating a kid. Is the kid tough and can he finish? You mentioned the mentality, the toughness, and, sure. and certainly that's the foundation you want coming into your room as you start to work with these guys. And it's a, a big part of this is mindset. And I really believe that starts with the coach and his approach to it. So what's the mindset that you bring to the game as a coach? That's a great question. The mindset that I bring is, all right, so we're up front, we're in the trenches, we go against the D-line every day, whether you're in pads, no pads, you're just going against them. I mean, we're the front line, right? So how tough are you? How physical are you? And you have to demand that. So I would say I'm a demanding coach, but I'm fair and I'm honest. And sometimes I'm honest to a fault. I'm just over the top honest. You're always going to know where you stand. But I also think you can demand and also be fair. You can demand without being demeaning. 
Like, I, I don't think you can go out. Like, there's going to be many times you talk about it all the time. Hear okay, what I'm saying, not how I'm saying. I'm going to critique you, right? I'm critiquing the performance, okay? Not the performer. So if I am, am on you about a block, it's not because it's not personal. I never make it personal. And sometimes I think that that gets lost because that's what the kids hear. And I think, let's say you're on a kid pretty good one day and you're hard on them. I do think you have to get with that kid, you know, right after practice. I think you just got to, whether you throw your arm around him, you just have a joke with him. But we have, uh, we got a great room and we talk about five strong. Uh, it's not a motto. It's not a slogan. It's a way of life. When you wake up in the morning, who are you? You know, wake up in the morning, make your bed, attack the day, have a positive attitude, work hard, compete, have discipline in your life. And all those things will lead to success if you do them over and over and over again. But that's who we are. And it's not a it's not a slogan. It may sound like that, but at the end of the day, that's who you are. Whether, you, whether I was at X school or I'm at this school now, it doesn't matter at the level. Five guys doing the same thing over and over again, belief in one another, brotherhood, whatever you want to call it. I just feel like that's the group within, within the, you know, that group within the team are five guys. So we go by five strong. But it's a way of life, not, not, some, not some slogan. And coach, you're also a leader. You got to lead that group of, of young men yep. and bring them to uh, their ability to have success on game day and, and push some of those guys uh, uh, along, really all those guys along to be leaders as well. So how would you describe yourself as a leader and, and how does that translate to what your players are going to pick up on as an example for them to be able to go out and lead their teammates? That's interesting because I've never really put a lot of thought into that. I just thought of myself as being a teacher in the classroom, but a teacher is a leader. So I think you got to leave these guys in a positive way. Now, my message is, is not always going to be positive. Sometimes you have a bad day and you, you know, sometimes your emotions get the best of you. But I think when you're in your room, you have to get through to these guys that, listen, football is tough. Life is tough. Nothing is handed to you. And I think you got to be yourself. So for me, I'm just honest. And I have conversations with these guys where it's, I throw everything out there. I don't hide anything. I'm not lying. This is where we're at. This is where I think you're at. I say it in front of the whole room. Because, again, it's five guys playing at the same time. So we talk about that. Yeah, if this kid's got something going on in his life, he's got to be able to stop into your office and have that conversation. So it's a fine line. And, you know, being, I talk to my guys too, sometimes it's hard. A kid wants to be a leader, but he may not be, you know, one of your better players. And maybe he's not playing a lot. Maybe he's injured. And it's hard, you know, because sometimes your best leaders are the guys that guys, the people that are going to listen to you, the, you know, if you're playing, you know, that's, you tend to be more of a leader. But I still think anybody can lead. You don't have to be the best player. It just kind of happens that way naturally. But I think the more you can talk to these guys about, listen, you're going to have to make some, some tough decisions within the group, and you're not always going to be liked. You know, being a leader can be a lonely place. You know, it's, it's not about likes. It's not about, 
you know, who agrees with me. It's not about, you know, how many friends can I have? I want everybody to like me. Well, that's not life. It's not how it is. So go about your business and try to just be honest and upfront at all times. And I think if you can do that with yourself and within your group, the guys are going to respect you. I think some guys go in too and they demand respect. And I think that's crap. It's going to happen when the kids know you. I coach hard, right? And there's no doubt about it. But I'm going to say this to you. Um, the kids need to know, this is everywhere. The kids need to know that you care about them. When they know that you care about them, then they'll work hard for you. That's it. And, and they, But they have to know it. It can't just be lip service. They got to know that you genuinely care about them. And what can you do for them? Like I, my whole thing is I don't care what year you are. Who is the best player? That's who's playing. Period. Doesn't matter. Whoever is the best is playing. That's it. It doesn't matter if you're a senior, you're a freshman. And I think when you have these conversations with them and you're honest and you're upfront and you're direct, they may not always like what you're telling them. Uh, this is a hard thing for me to hear. But I think they respect you for being honest with them and they know you are you care about them and you have their back, that's, that's going to make them better. Initially, they may not like you for it at all. They may be you know, pissed when they leave the room, but they will respect you for that. I mean, I have some players that have played for me that I'm sure are like, oh, you know, that guy was, you know, I'm not I'm watching my mouth, but that guy was, you know, tough, you know, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Okay, maybe. But I was always honest with you. And I think those are, that's a big part of it. Honesty, upfront. Always, always having direct and honest conversations with these kids. Yeah, I think that's such a key to this. I, I laugh all the time, you know, social media, <laughs> it's good and bad, but I'll see those, you know, guys inevitably, they'll find a clip of somebody coaching a player hard in a game, uh, in practice, wherever, and, and find that as validation of, see, this is how they do it at this level. See, that's hard coaching. But you know, what's left out of the context is, yeah, we don't know, though. What did that guy do to build that rapport, to be able to get him to that place where he felt comfortable and really laying into him and maybe being emotional, but that guy being able to walk away with the positives and get better from it? Well, it's funny you say that because I think that happens all the time. Like, people will come and be like, oh, you're really hard on him. I'm like, how do you know? You don't see, you're not in my meeting. You don't see how I treat them in my meeting. You don't see the conversations we have in the meeting. You don't hear what we talk about in our meeting. You just happen to see on the field. And yeah, I'm loud on the field. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm loud. So what? I'm not, I'm not demeaning them. You don't, you don't hear everything. And I think sometimes people just judge somebody so fast. It's like you don't have any idea what that kid's going through, the relationship I have with that kid. And it's, it's more than just teaching. All right, if I'm in a classroom and I teach, well, then I'm done. The next class comes in. Well, these are my guys. These are my 25 guys that are in my room. I'm responsible for on and off the field, academically, socially. I mean, I'm responsible for them and I'm setting the tone for the room. So what is your, what is your mindset? What is the tone of the room? Who do you want to be? And that's what we talk about all the time. That's why I say five strong. is not, you know, something you just break down on. It's not lip service and it takes time. It does not happen overnight. You have to be demanding. You have to be fair. But you're so right on. So many people get, you know, uh, they just they, they judge you right off the bat. And it's like, no, nope, you don't have any idea 
what this kid's going through and the relationship I have with the kid. So you can judge me. I, I don't care. You can. You don't know me. You have no idea who I am in my meeting room. That's the thing. They don't. They just see you on the field in the public. They don't see you in the meeting room. Well, let's take it out of the meeting room, Coach, and, and talk a little bit more of on the field and an approach to starting you know, with individual, right? Uh, huge time for offensive line coaches can never get enough individual are always asking for more individual and finding creative ways to get it in practice when something else is going on so I have a lot of respect for offensive line coaches in that regard because the fundamentals are so important for you when you look at the the individual period and even let's start with the drills what makes a good drill and how does that drill get into your individual period that, that it is good enough to, for you to spend that time on? Because time is so valuable. So you gotta, you got to look at what you're doing. So like in preseason camp, what are you putting in? So install day one. Here are the runs. Here are the protections. All right. So you're going to have certain blocks. You're going to have certain sets in the pass pro. you got to work those. How do you work them? So I have a set of everyday drills, run and pass. And not just, all right, we're going to do this uh, combo, this single, this double, this triple, we're going to do all this. No, I think those are important, and we are going to do those, no doubt. But within a combo, um, I'm going to be covered or uncovered in the zone. So let's work a covered. Okay. When I'm uncovered, someone's going to end up on a second level. So what am I saying? If you put on a play, whether it's an individual block or it's a combo, somebody's going to block a first-level defender. Somebody's going to block a second-level defender. So. How do you work that? Indie blocks would be one-on-one. Second level fits would be up on a linebacker. And then breaking it down in your double teams. So one guy is going to be setting the double team. The other guy is going to be fitting into it. And then how do you get into that? So we'll break it down even further. Um, We're going to crowd with an inside guy. I'm going to fit with the second guy. But everyday drills that you do. So we'll have some sort of board drill. Every day, whether it's speed boards or it's with uh, it's with a defender, we'll have empty blocks every day, whether it's inside zone, outside zone. And then we have a second level fit on a linebacker, whether it's straight ahead, whether it's a two command, whether it's angle, you kind of just switch around a little bit. But I think you've got to have a set of drills. Uh, let's just say five. You've got five everyday drills and run, five everyday drills and pass. And then how are you going to fit them in there? So for us, let's say I start with an eight minute period. I'm going to have some run stuff you know, some movement stuff. Then the second phase would be like, all right, let's do some sets. Let's do some punch stuff. Now, maybe I just want to spend the first, let's say I get 18 minutes. I'm going to spend the first 18 minutes doing all run, warm up stuff into some run. And then when I get my special teams period, I'll add in some, some of my past stuff, how my setting, my punches, how we, how we work and twist all that stuff. But I do think you've got to have a set of everyday drills that you're using and then just keeping track of them. So we get the one practice a day in college, but we also get a walkthrough. So when you go through the walkthrough, what are you doing? All right, we're going to get everybody in in grids, and we're going to work through our stances. We're going to work a couple steps, but you can really slow it down and break it down. All right, let's do the same thing. Let's stay in the grids, and let's work pass protections. Let's work sets. Let's work an aggressive set. Let's work a one set. Let's work a two set all different footwork within the sets redirects all that stuff but then you take that you go to practice and they've already done it slow and now you can speed it up so i used to use individual as 
like conditioning, let's get in shape, all that. We practice so fast here and we two spot stuff, which means one's threes on one field, two fields on the on the same field, just split in half. So you're getting like, let's say you get 20 team reps. Well, the other group's getting 20. So they're getting their conditioning. It's not like one group's in and the other group's watching. You know what I mean? So the way we would do it is you're getting so many reps anyway in practice. So you're getting the condition. So I don't need to completely gas you in individual, which was how I used to do it when we weren't two spot. And when you two spot, it's like breaking your group in half. So I get 10 guys here, 10 guys on the other end. And then when you lose a couple guys, it's like, all right, well, now I'm down to 14. I'm seven and seven. You know, you're, it's, it's, you really thinned it out. So you try not to just completely gas them, but you can still use it in that way a little bit. But I think you can slow it down in the morning walkthroughs. And then in the afternoon, whenever you're practicing, bring it together and just do the same thing. So they're used to those drills. I like keeping drills consistent because when you put the film on, you bring it back to the drill. What does that mean? All right. Hey, we're running inside zone to the right. What's the right tackle guy? Oh yeah. That's an indie block. Great. What about the guard? Indie block. What about the center? Oh, that's a second level fit. What about the backside? Oh, he's crowdering. Great. What about the, the backside tackle? Oh, he's fitting in. And they just see why you're doing the drill instead of just saying, hey, I got this awesome drill. Why are we doing the drill? What's the purpose of it? How is it going to make me better? They always want to know why. Hey, coach, why are we doing this drill? Great. Glad you asked. Put it on. They were running a gap scheme. You're pulling and you're trapping the end men on the line of scrimmage. Okay. In the drill we did earlier, I had them go up the field. So you kicked them out. I had them wrong army. So you turned it into, you know, running around and we turned it into a, a log basically. So when do we use that? You show them the film. I think when they see that from the meeting to the field to then watching the film with them after they've done it, they see it, they trust you, they trust how you teach, and they know you're trying to make them better. I think too many times, to be honest, so many guys would be like, all right, we're going to do this drill and that drill and that drill. Okay, why are you doing it? Great. Awesome. I don't see it correlate to what you're running. You know what I mean? Like, we, if you're going to have a guy perform an individual block, meaning a guard or a tackle or a center, whatever, blocking a guy head up on him, outside, whatever, then you should do that every day. If you're going to work a combo, you should work that combo every day, but break it down, not just run the combo. So I think we get so many team reps that I can get all the combos done. Now I can really break it down in my individual. So I try to do everyday drills so we can continue to get better fundamentally so when you put the tape on you say yeah they are fundamentally sound they go to the right people yes but they also are fundamental and they're really good in their technique and i think you brought it up earlier fundamentally is is really where it's at you you have to be a you have to be a good teacher to get them technically sound and fundamentally sound coach you hit on it a little bit as you were talking about those drills and how they relate to the film and just using that you know that language that you've created both for the drill and then what it looks like on film. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about the, the, the way you, that you do that and how you look at you know, your buzzwords, your coaching cues, the language that you're going to use over and over too that helps give your players consistency. I think that's, that's kind of hard. Like I'm, I'm thinking about it like just a typical drill. So if we're going to go on indie block, I got to talk about the aiming point. What's the aiming point? You know, I used to be – all right, well, we're going play side number. All right, we're going backside number. But if you just operate like inside blocks where inside V, outside V screws, for me, I'd be like, all right, down, we're going inside V. 
uh, inside zone, inside beat. And then you go through it, not reloaded. Hey, what were you thinking here? What did you feel here? Oh, I went too far. All right, we're working a pass set. And you're setting on a, uh, a, not even a three technique. It could be a center guard or a tackle, and you have a defender outside of you. All right, is he tight or is he wide? All right, let's work the sets. And I'll go right down the line, and I try to make it fast. So let's say I'm going right down the line. I start with the left tackle. I'm on the left side. All right, move. And he sets, and then I go right to the uh, – I'll go uh, make him hold it. Move. Set kind of sets. All right, break. Then I go to the guard. Move. And then I get him going, and then I go to the center. So we're kind of going fast. Then I'll come back, and I'll say, all right, what did you feel once we've gone through it? I'll say, what did you feel, you know, when you when you were setting on that guy? Oh, I went too far. And then I can go to the next guy, and then the next guy. And it's kind of fast, and you're going through it, but you're also filming it. So for me, I just want to be on cues that they're going to use. So how does that come into play? Talking about your aiming points, talking about like a run block, what's important, knee drive. So talk about running your feet, keeping your feet alive, never stopping your feet. And then you'll see it on film. Then you constantly, maybe that day, I guess it's my buzzwords may change. So uh, like, like not change, but um, let's say my, my guy, one guy struggling, he constantly stops his feet on contact. Hey, all day today, I'm just going to be talking feet, 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 not just finish. I'm just talking about your feet. Sometimes my guys get stalemated in the block. All right, how do we do that? Well, we got to reset our hands and we got to drop our butt, but it all comes back to your feet. All right, pass sets. You're going way too wide. You got to stay inside out. So I'm just going to talk to you about near V all day. Hey, set to the spot, set to the spot, inside V though, inside V. Stay inside out, you're going too far. You know, just things like that. Launch point of the quarterback. Where's the quarterback throwing from? All right, hey, launch point, launch point, man. Launch point went way too far. Set line's too far. Just things like that. And I think you can kind of come up with your own buzzwords. But for me, it's feet, finish, feet, finish, feet, finish, and then the aiming points. But be specific with your aiming points because sometimes you're like, all right, I want to get on the outside number, backside hand on the string. That's just too long for me. It's, hey, get on the inside V. Hey, backside hand, you have help? Yeah, get on the middle of the man. Do you, do you not have help? No, nah, I didn't have help. Get on the sternum. You just went too far. So tighten up your footwork. We were just talking about that yesterday. Tighten up your footwork. And then I said, sometimes I don't think you guys know what I mean. Let me pull this up. Hey, uh, did you see this play? See the three technique? See how tight he is? Where do you think he might go? Oh, inside. What did you do? Went too far. Tighten up your footwork. So things like that may just help the kid. And you might have to change it for each kid. But I think the more you can, you can just kind of not just be direct with them, but fast, but to the point, and then have the conversation on the sideline if you have a break during it. I don't want to have long-winded conversations during Indian during during practice. I think it's a colossal waste of time. Well, and you don't have time for that on game day either, right? So you <laughs> might as well learn to be be Thank efficient you. there. But I, Thank you. I really like how you've taken you know you talked about everyday drills and the fundamentals and how they have to show up on film and and you know I think things need to be prescriptive. But in setting up the framework of here's how we do it and then your language along with it and how you can get them to focus on different things, your everyday stuff does become prescriptive in being able to say V or as you were saying feet and being able to focus on those different things that help those guys get better in whatever little aspect of that that they need to improve on. Yeah, each guy may be a little bit different. Like maybe I'm going a little bit too far in my reach block. Maybe my aiming points too far inside I got to go a little bit further but each guy is going to be a little bit different and I think you can give them a cue to hit on for that day hey you're really you're not getting there with your backside hand hey your second step in the ground was really slow you just got to get it in there 
your steps are really long. You know, when you set, you're not staying square. And then here's why you got to stay square, but you're not square. So then when you're working with them during the day, it's, hey, you didn't say square, get square. Nope, you're not square. Hey, go back and just go, just give me it again. And sometimes they think they are, but they're not. So it's little nuances that you deal with the kid. And each kid's different. Each kid is different. It's no different than a stance. It's the same thing. Not everybody's in the same stance. They may be in a two-point and three-point the same, but every, every body is different. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, incredible stuff you shared with us here today, and I appreciate the detail. And appreciate you, brother. To, to wrap things up, to look at what you do as a coach and say, you know what, here's the one thing that I do. This is so important. This really gives my players the, the winning edge. What's that one thing you do as a coach? I just think it's who we are. It's five strong. I think that's the, the winning edge for us because it encompasses so many things. You know, I'd like to take credit for that, but I can't. Um, Brian Bacucci, who's the best online coach I've ever been around. I was with him at uh, Northeastern and UMass. Uh, just a tremendous football coach. Great mind. He started five strong when he had the old line at UMass, and I was uh, coaching the coaching the running, back, running backs. But to me, that's everything. Five strong is everything. That's the group. So that would be the most important thing. And I, that's everything now. Like so many people hear that and be like, oh, that's a slogan. It's like, great, awesome. It's a slogan. No, it's not. It's not a slogan. It's how we live our life. If you were in, sitting in my meeting and I walk in and I said, all right, let's go. Everybody start the meeting. We start with a pledge of allegiance. And then we just, and we just go from there. Whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, people may not like it. I don't really care. Living in the United States. I'm not making this political by any means. But that's just who we are as five strong. We start it. We get up. We pledge. I started it back when we were doing Zooms, and I was like, all right, we got to have a little fun with this, and it just kind of stuck. So we took that from, like, an elementary school that was doing it one day, and I said, this is awesome. So we do that, and then we just have, like, a quick thought of the day. And there's times, like, a guy, I know it's maybe long-winded at the end, but a guy will walk in my room with a sourpuss, and I'm like, get out. Get out of the room. Get out. Get out. Close the door. Close the door. I make him close the door, and then I open it. We all start cheering for him. He comes in. I'm like, there you go. Positive attitude. Good. So now let's have a great day today. And you just, it's a mindset. It's how you live your life. That's why when I say five strong, I think it encompasses everything with my guys. Cause you're playing with five guys and you're only as good as the weakest guy. And the train never stops. We talk about it every day. It never stops. Not for me, not for coach Huff, for nobody. It moves. If one of us aren't here, if you're not here, I'm not here, he's gone, he's gone. You can sit there and cry about it all you want. It doesn't matter. On Saturday, somebody has to play. So you better have guys, the next man up, the train doesn't stop. But that all goes back to how we live our lives in the room, and it's five strong mentality. That's to me, would be, that's everything within the group, which is a lot, but it's everything. For our listeners out there, you guys can connect with Coach Morrissey on Twitter. It's at Coach E. Morrissey. I'll put that in the show notes. And he recruits Akron, Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, Philly, New Jersey, Mass, and Connecticut. So uh, be sure to get a hold of him. If you got some of those guys that fit those descriptions that he talked about. Coach, uh, I certainly appreciate the time here. I know we're all excited for the 2022 season. So best of luck to you and the herd in 2022 appreciate you thanks for having me on let's stay in touch and uh thanks so much for your time and go herd